What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. I'm your host, Drew. In this episode, we're going to talk about Josh Allen and can he build on the season he had as a rookie. We're also going to talk a little bit about the NHL Stanley Cup Final and my prediction about who's going to win. Stick around. This episode's going to be fun. Before we go any further with this episode, I want to take a time out to say thank you. Thank you to everyone who has listened to me continuously on a weekly basis, and thank you for spreading the word about this podcast. It is growing slowly but surely. Secondly, if you like what you're hearing, spread the word. Let your friends and family know that they can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, Anchor. Another one that I've just recently been put on is also Overcast. Everyone can also follow me on Twitter at SportstalkBuffalo716. Now let's jump into the episode. All right, we're going to start off as we always do with some top stories from around sports. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have signed defensive tackle and Dominican Sue to a one-year deal worth $9.25 million dollars with incentives that could push the overall value up to $10 million. The Buffalo Bills have extended defensive end Jerry Hughes two years. The contract up to $23 million with $19.5 million guaranteed. Some good news out of Buffalo as Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly has his latest cancer scan come back clean. as He was first diagnosed with squamous cell carcinoma in 2013. Following up the good news, we're going to bring some sad news as Bart Starr, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, has passed away at the age of 85. Starr is the only QB to lead his team to three consecutive league championships. In other news, the NHL Stanley Cup final between the St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins begins Monday, May 27th. St. Louis is searching for their first Stanley Cup in team history. Also in the NBA, the finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Toronto Raptors begins on Thursday, May 30th. Golden State is attempting to win their third straight NBA title and their fourth title in the last five years. That's going to do it for top stories this week. Stick around as in segment one, we're going to talk about Buffalo Bills QB Josh Allen and if he can build on his rookie season. Welcome to segment number one of episode 18 of Sports Talk Buffalo. Let's jump right into it and start talking about Josh Allen. It seems as though a lot of people are excited about Josh Allen. And not just the people in Buffalo and the sports commentators in Buffalo, but the sports commentators and the people from around the league. Now, are you excited about Josh Allen in the upcoming season? Personally, I am. I really hope that he can build on his rookie season. I thought that he had an okay rookie season, but coming out of college uh, as raw as he did, uh, he exceeded my expectations. Now, if you've listened to me since episode one, you've known that I was not very high on Josh Allen, especially when they first drafted him. 
when they said Josh Allen had actually kind of ruined my night. Uh, I had to go to work that night, and it, it really hit me hard watching that the NFL draft because uh, in that draft, I really liked Josh Rosen. I liked that he was a pure pocket passer. He had the lowest floor. He maybe not had he maybe didn't have the highest ceiling, but he had the lowest floor and I thought that he could jump in and help the Bills uh almost right away. Now, it turns out that the Bills probably did the right thing in drafting Josh Allen at least for year 1 simply because most of their offensive line didn't come back. And Josh Allen was running for his life on a lot of plays. And he did a, a fantastic job. I think he really surprised a lot of people with his athleticism and the fact that he was so quick for such a big, big man. Some of the things that surprised me were the fact that he is willing to stand in that pocket and really deliver the ball downfield. And I thought that he did a good to great job sometimes during the season last year, especially in the second half of the season. Although his accuracy numbers, uh, completion percentage-wise, didn't necessarily reflect the fact that uh, Josh Allen looked more comfortable in the pocket. He looked more comfortable out there. He looked more comfortable being himself and making plays. Uh, I thought that overall, just by watching him, he passes the eye test, so to speak. He passed the eye test last year in the second half of the NFL season. Now this year, a lot of people are very, very excited about him, and they're excited for multiple reasons. They're excited for the fact that the Buffalo Bills went out and they got basically an entire new offensive line for him. And from what I can tell in every position, it is basically a good to great upgrade. The Bills went from a very poor offensive line to possibly an above average to good offensive line for Josh Allen to be able to give him some time to look downfield and do those uh, intermediate and long routes that he really likes to do. Now, I think, again, one of the things that Josh Allen really needs to work on and to have success in his sophomore season is to take what the defense gives you. If it's if it's not there downfield, check it down. It's okay to check it down. Just get the ball in, the, in your playmaker's hands and sometimes a two-yard throw can turn into a 25-yard gain. Those are the types of things that I think Josh Allen really needs to work on in order to take the next step in his career. Now, a lot of people are asking, well, what do you consider a success for Josh Allen in his second year? I'll give you a comparable to a quarterback that's in the league right now, somebody that they compared him to coming out of college, coming from a smaller college, and that's Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz in his second year had a 60% completion percentage for the year. He threw for 3,296 yards with 33 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. He also rushed the ball for 299 yards. The overall record he had in those games was 11-2. and Now, I'm going to tell you this, if Josh Allen gets the Bills 11 wins all year long, I'm going to consider that a successful season for not just him, but for the team as a whole, because that's most likely going to be enough to get them into the playoffs. But stat-wise, stat-wise, what do you want to see from Josh Allen? 
Because for me, I don't just want to see another guy who just can throw 3,000 yards, get you maybe 20 touchdowns, 10 interceptions or so, and can run the ball for another three, four, five hundred yards. I want that true franchise quarterback, the guy that's going to be able to stand in the pocket and make throws, a guy that's going to be able to beat you with his arm. That's what I want to see in my franchise quarterback, and that's what I want to see Josh Allen really be able to do. I'll give you another comparable. People are calling Josh Allen the white Cam Newton. And Cam Newton, in his second year in the NFL, he threw for 3,869 yards with a 57.7 completion percentage and 19 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Newton also ran for 741 yards and 8 touchdowns on the ground. So what he lacked running the ball or passing the ball touchdown-wise, he made up for uh, on the ground. As I stated before, what statistically do you want to see out of Josh Allen? Just a little refresher, Josh Allen in 2018 had 2,074 yards passing with 10 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, with a 52.8% completion percentage and 631 rushing yards. The 631 rushing yards is a Buffalo Bills franchise record for a quarterback running the ball. But again, I that doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Good, great. He did what he needed to do. He literally, I think, willed the Buffalo Bills team and this very inept roster to the six wins that they did get. I think that he played admirably. Like I said, I think he played well, but I want to see him grow as a pocket passer. I want to see him more like a Big Ben early in his career where he scrambled uh, to draw the play out to be able to throw the ball downfield. I don't want to see him running necessarily as much because you see the beating that it can take or the toll that it takes on your body. Uh, You look at somebody like Cam Newton who his body is really starting to break down on him. Uh, the older, obviously the older that he gets, but his body has really taken a pounding over the course of his career. Now, another guy that you has been mentioned and people think that it might be a successful season if he has a stat line like a Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, he threw for 66.6% completion percentage. And then he threw for 3,223 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. That's a 2-to-1 ratio. That's I think that's really, really good, especially for, for Josh Allen. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near 66% completion percentage at any point in his career. I just don't think that he's that kind of guy. He doesn't normally take, like I said before, the easy throws. He likes to try to to fit the ball into very tight windows. He, he has more of a gunslinger mentality. So if he can hover right around that 60% completion percentage, if he can raise it up to somewhere around 58, 59, 60%, I think that would show tremendous growth for Josh Allen. And for me, I think a successful season is, like I said, a 58, 59, 60% completion percentage and somewhere around 32 to 3,500 yards passing maybe 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and you know I'll throw a number out there, 350 yards rushing because I know Josh Allen is going to scramble a little bit because he's so gifted athletically. 
in my opinion, I think best case scenario for a, a quarterback like Josh Allen, it's the size comparable is obviously not there as his quarterback is a lot smaller than Josh Allen. But I think, you know, possibly this the style of play. I want to see him scramble around to be able to make plays downfield with his arm. And that's Russell Wilson. Not only does he scramble around to make spectacular plays with his arm, he is smart when he runs the ball and he slides a lot. He doesn't seem like he takes a lot of unnecessary hits. In Russell Wilson's second year, he threw for 63.1% completion percentage, 3,357 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions. He also added 539 yards rushing and 1 touchdown on the ground, and he brought his team to a 13-3 and record. Like I said, if Josh Allen can get over the hump of that nine wins that the Bills have been stuck on since 19 or since 2000, I should say, as 1999 was the last time the Buffalo Bills won 10 games in a season. Yes, I know that they broke the playoff drought, but again, there's another hurdle that the the Bills and the franchise needs to get over. It's to get that double digit win total so that they don't necessarily have to sneak into the playoffs so that they can cement themselves into the playoffs and really be in a playoff discussion at the end of the year. I've said it in the first podcast that I ever did. Josh Allen, when he was picked, like I stated earlier, he was not the guy I wanted. But as I watched him progress, especially through the season last year, I think he was the guy that the Buffalo Bills needed last year. And I think that he has the room and the potential to possibly grow into a franchise quarterback. But the hype train on Josh Allen this year has been immense, and I know that they got him a lot more help in the offensive line. I know that they went out and they added Cole Beasley for the slot. I know that they added John Brown, who can give him a deep threat downfield. Uh, I just, it's going to, I'm going to have to see in preseason and uh, training camp what the Bills really have at wide receiver. Like I said, I know they added some pieces. They have a big-time battle at wide receiver going on. They have a lot of new faces and a lot of interesting guys, David Sills and Duke Williams, who I think they have a legitimate shot at making this team. And then you you know people are always talking about those guys, and then they forget about the Buffalo Bills' leading receiver last year, which was Zay Jones with 56 catches. I don't think you should count Zay Jones out. I think that he has the potential to be a Robert Woods-type player. And if you didn't know this past year, Robert Woods put up over 1,200 yards receiving. Am I saying that Zay Jones is going to put up 1,200 yards receiving this year? Absolutely not. But I think that he has that potential. He is roughly the same size. He can run. He's a little bit slower than Robert Woods, but you know he runs good routes. Uh, he just needs to be able to separate a little bit more in man coverage and be able to get himself open, um, like I said, in, in the man coverage. So um, there's a lot of interesting things going on this offseason, a tremendous amount of turnover for the Buffalo Bills, and it's going to be a very exciting uh, off. Well, the rest of the offseason OTAs are happening now and have are going to keep going on, and then you're going to have 
training camp and you're going to have all these position battles and then you're going to have the preseason and the preseason this year I think is going to be very interesting to watch. Normally I'm not big on preseason. I just want them to start the season so that the games matter. I'm not really, you know, I'm not normally huge at watching all the preseason games, but the last, I would say the last four to five years, I've really gotten into all the position battles. I've really gotten to, to look down the depth chart and start, uh, really appreciating the preseason games, especially in the NFL. Uh, but that, I mean, we're going to see, we're going to see is Josh Allen, the person that everyone is projecting him to be in his sophomore year. Can he be a Carson Wentz type guy? Again, I don't think he's going to throw for 30 plus touchdowns, but can he throw for 25 touchdowns? Can he be the quarterback that is worth a seventh overall pick? Can he be that guy? I sure hope so. Stick around for segment number two as we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup final between the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. All right, welcome to segment number two. We're going to jump right into it and start talking about the Stanley Cup final between the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. Now, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup in their history six times, the last one being in 2010 and 2011. The St. Louis Blues, on the other hand, have never won the Stanley Cup. And not only have they never won the Stanley Cup, they haven't even been to the Stanley Cup final since their expansion year. And in in St. Louis Blues expansion year, what happened was they added six new teams to the NHL. They put all six teams in one division so that one of the expansion teams was guaranteed to go to the Stanley Cup final. It happened to be the St. Louis Blues, and that was the last time that they were ever in a Stanley Cup final. So who do you think is going to win? Do you think it's going to be the Boston Bruins or do you think it's going to be the St. Louis Blues? Personally, and it trust me, it feels awful to say this as a a Buffalo Sabres fan, I have the Boston Bruins winning the Stanley Cup and I have the Boston Bruins winning it in five or six games. I just think that the goaltending and the, the top line for the Boston Bruins is just going to be too much for the St. Louis Blues and their rookie goaltender, uh, Jordan Bennington, to handle. Now, if you break down which goaltender, or, you know, the playoff stats for both goaltenders, Bennington has been very solid. I mean, don't get me wrong, Bennington has played a very, very uh, solid playoffs. And he, in my opinion, he's the sole reason why St. Louis has even made the playoffs, let alone made it to the Stanley Cup. Because at one point in the season, the St. Louis Blues were in dead last place in the in the NHL. Bennington comes in, rips off 25 wins. I believe his record was something like 25 and 4 or 21 and 5 or something something like that. He won over 20 games for the St. Louis Blues and they get into the playoffs. Now when the Blues get into the playoffs, it looks like they have a little bit of an easier schedule than maybe the uh, in terms of points wise and record wise, then the St. Louis Blues or the St. Louis Blues had a easier time than the Boston Bruins did 
point-wise, win-wise uh, of their opponents. St. Louis, in the first round, played against the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg was 40, 40 wins, 30 losses, and 5 overtime losses. They had 99 points. I think St. Louis is a very good team, don't get me wrong. Um, and they were able to get by Winnipeg. They go and play against the Dallas Stars, who are not that great at scoring. They only had they had slightly over 200 goals for this past season, but the Dallas Stars were very good defensively, and that propelled them to 43 wins, 32 losses, and 7 overtime losses, and 93 points, which was enough to get them into the playoffs. Now Dallas was able to get into the second round to be able to face the Blues, but again, the Blues were too much, and they go on to face the San Jose Sharks. Now, I honestly thought that the Sharks had a fantastic, fantastic chance to make it to the Stanley Cup Final. Everything seemed to be going their way. The calls, the reviews, everything seemed to be working for them. And then they ran into some injury trouble. And they kind of ran out of steam. And St. Louis beats them in six games. And that's kind of upsetting to me because... You know, I really think Joe Thornton deserves a Stanley Cup. I wish this was the year that he won the Stanley Cup and he can kind of ride off into the sunset. I don't know if he's going to retire or not. He probably should, although he's still playing at a fairly high level, but he is almost 40 years old. Now, Boston, on the other hand, came out of possible or arguably the best um, division, so to speak, in the NHL. In the Atlantic Division. The Atlantic Division was stacked. Was just stacked. And again, as a Buffalo Sabres fan, it is very depressing to know that you're in that stacked division. But nevertheless, the Boston Bruins had to face the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round. Toronto was 46-28-8. Had 100 points this past season. Had a very, very strong season. And Boston kind of dispelled them. Now, Columbus, this was the surprise. Columbus got past the Tampa Bay Lightning and fairly easily, I might add, fairly easily, they completely demolished Tampa Bay from start to finish in that series. And Tampa Bay really hadn't played a meaningful game in a very long time. And Columbus had been clawing and scratching and fighting to try to just get into the playoffs uh, for at least the last month, month and a half of the regular season. Now, Boston was able to kind of dispel Columbus fairly easily. And Boston goes on to face the Carolina Hurricanes, which I think we all knew that when it was Boston against Carolina, that Boston was just going to mow through Carolina, which they did, of course, and make it to the Stanley Cup Final, which again, as a Sabres fan, is very disheartening. But, I mean, in the Eastern Conference Final, what could be worse? <laughs> I mean, the only thing that could be worse in an Eastern Conference Final is Buffalo versus Toronto, and they played in the first round. But a Buffalo versus Carolina is, you know, it's right up there. <clears throat> it's right up there. And yes, I'm still salty about the, the Buffalo Sabres, uh, 05-06 season. I think that was the year that the Sabres had the best chance to win the Stanley Cup. They had the whole team. They were on a great run. 
and they just ran into so many injury problems. Four of their top six defensemen go down, and they take the lead into the third period against Carolina, and Carolina ultimately is able to pull it out against the Sabres. And then they go on and win the Stanley Cup themselves in seven games against a third-string Edmonton Oilers, Edmonton Oilers goaltender. So yeah, I'm still a little salty about that, but Boston has played spectacularly. Spectacularly, if I could enunciate it correctly. And it's Boston has played great, but they've played great behind their goaltending. Now, as I stated earlier, Jordan Bennington, he has played great for the St. Louis Blues in the playoffs. I'm not sure if I gave you his stats already, but his stats are a 2.37 goals against average and a .914 save percentage, which are very respectable stats, especially in the playoffs. You're playing against the best teams in the NHL, night in and night out. And as a rookie goaltender to have stats like that, um, incredible to say the least. He has played very, very well. And like I said, I think he is a big, big, big reason why St. Louis has made it as far as they have. But on the other side of the ice, he goes up against Tuka Rask. And you know when Tuka Rask gets on a hot streak, he is easily one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. In the playoffs, his goals against average is a 1.84, and his save percentage is a ridiculous 9.942. A .942. That is insane. That is an insane save percentage, and I don't know any team in the NHL that's going to be able to beat Boston when Tuka Rask is playing like that. As I stated before, I really believe that if Rask plays the way he has in the first three rounds, that Boston is going to be able to win this in five to six games. Now, as a Sabres fan, I'm going to pose a question to you. Which one is worse? Which team winning is worse for you, in your opinion? Is it the Boston Bruins? Because it's the Boston Bruins, and they have Brad Marchand, and the fact that you know, they have the Patriots and they keep winning and, you know, just the, the rivalry between the Sabres and, and the Bruins over the years. Or is it the St. Louis Blues and the fact that the Buffalo Sabres, not even a year ago, traded away Ryan O'Reilly, who has been an instrumental piece in being able to lead the Blues this far. Ryan O'Reilly had a career year and a team leading 77 points this year. He's also second on the team, I believe, with 14 points in the playoffs. So which one is worse? Do you want Ryan O'Reilly one year after saying, in Buffalo, man, I really lost my love for the game. This is, you know, basically like a terrible atmosphere. You know, he's orchestrating his trade out of Buffalo and kind of goes to a team that ends up actually winning this, you know, potentially wins the Stanley Cup? Or again, is it Boston? At this point, I just can't bring myself to cheer for a Boston team. So I have to go with the St. Louis Blues. Not saying Ryan O'Reilly isn't a good guy. I just, you know, it, it, it twists the knife a little bit more, the fact that we traded away Ryan O'Reilly... And we could have really, really, really used him this year 
as a second line center um, and a team that was devoid of scoring and and devoid of a of a second line center and that secondary scoring. So that, like I said, that kind of hurts a little bit more. But I think I really do. I have. I'm. I think I'm going to have to cheer for the St. Louis Blues, even though I think that the Boston Bruins are going to win this uh, this this Stanley Cup this year. That's going to do it for this episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. I want to thank you guys for listening. Just a reminder: if you tell all your friends and family, you can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast. And of course, right here on Anchor. You can also follow me on Twitter at Sports Talk Buffalo 716. And on that note, I would like to wish everyone a very good week. Have a good one.